So we've got this existing body of knowledge to go with the three new things that we're going to attach to it. And we go through the process over and over again. And when we do that, just like practicing anything, when we do that, we get better at it. And the more conscious we are about that process, we can't help but create better. That was today's guest, speaker and facilitator on teaching creativity and critical thinking in education, Jane Harbison. And you are listening to episode number 15 of the Teacher's Guide podcast. Gentlemen, what are the four pillars? Now you all remember how scary your first days at school were. You done messed up, everyone! Hello and welcome to the Teacher's Guide podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. My name is Zach Woodward. I'm a primary school teacher from Brisbane, Australia, and I will be your host each week. The aim of this podcast is to provide information and experiences that will help all teachers to thrive in their role, particularly aimed at beginner teachers and those who are aspiring to one day join the teaching profession. We like each episode to be short and to the point, so let's get into it. Have you ever looked at a learning outcome and thought to yourself, how on earth am I going to teach this to my students in a creative and engaging way? Or have you looked at a unit plan and thought, how am I going to build some lessons around this that the students can really get involved in and enjoy the learning process? Well, a lot of it comes down to our creativity. And after a few years of teaching, I got better and better at being more creative and thinking on my feet and making lessons that my students could enjoy and get involved in. But at the start of my teaching career, it wasn't so easy. And it's all part of something that our guest today, Jane Harbison, calls the creative process or the creativity process. And she's going to speak to us today about how we as teachers can engage in that creativity process so we can become better and better at thinking on our feet and making meaningful lessons that our students can get involved in. So I started out the interview by asking Jane to explain to us the five steps in the creativity process that she teaches to students and adults. There's five parts to it. So there's saturate, percolate, create, celebrate and rejuvenate. Mm. And I think often uh, we naturally do this anyway. Mm. And I think the beauty of uh, attaching a word to each phase is that we don't get stuck in it. I don't know if you've ever been experienced where you have been given uh, an idea or a problem Mm. that uh, you you need to solve and that's where creativity has its greatest value. It solves problems. Um, And then you've researched something for about two two hours, maybe even two years, Mm -hmm. and uh, you're no further ahead at solving Mm. that problem. And that's probably chances are that you've got stuck in that saturate process. Yes, yeah. you're uh, describing sat- every university assignment I've attempted in the last few years. So, yeah, I can definitely understand this. Yeah. And so that's why I like when I teach the kids about uh, or talk, talking to even teachers about this process, when I talk about saturate, just limit yourself to three things mm. to go with what you already know. And source that from three different sources. And I, I talk about three S's when I teach it, um, which is uh, search engines, someone else and self. Mm. 
and I teach them how to do that. So limit yourself to three things and do something with those three things. Um, and those three things have usually piqued your curiosity in some shape or form. Mm. And then that takes you on to the percolate stage. So you have got this three new pieces of information to go with what you already know. Mm. And you start percolating around and creating something, putting them together in new and original ways. And I think it's really important at this stage that the way that you put them together sit comfortably with your strengths and we all have 24 of those. Actually, there's, there's lots of different quizzes out there that um, can tell you what your natural character strengths are, but um, there's one that I use and that talks about 24 strengths that we have, mm. and I think it's very important that whatever we're doing sits comfortably with those strengths because it means that we can deliver those with confidence. Of course. So we're tapping, yep. tapping them into the things that we're naturally good at. And secondly, I think it's important that when we're putting these ideas together, they align with our values and they align with the, the values of the environment that we work in. So schools have values mm -hmm. um, yep. that we have to work within. Of course. And so I think it's really important too that whatever you're putting together also aligns with those values. Mm. Um, so when we deliver it, we're very comfortable with the content that we're delivering. Mm. So that then takes us to the create stage. So we've got, we've got, we've developed this class plan or this yep. class lesson that's, uh, you know, we've created something out of nothing. Yep. And, and we share it with the class because mm. creativity cannot exist unless you do something. Um, it's still just an idea. Yep. And so we, we take our hard-earned class plan, we deliver it to our students, and it falls a little flat. Mm. You know, some, some kids are yawning and saying they're bored or mm. they're, they're busy talking in the background. Mm -hmm. um, but that's still worth celebrating, which is mm. the next step. Give yourself a pat on the back for putting it out there even if it hasn't worked. And you're probably familiar with the phrase, uh, you either win or you learn. You win or yeah. you learn. You win or you learn. Yeah. And so, so when we have a, a class that falls a little flat, we pat ourselves on the back. Um, so we've celebrated with ourselves. And this is where I love talking about love languages because we have, yeah. it's, it's really important to understand how, how we like to celebrate. Mm. And I think it's really, it's really valuable to understand our peers' love languages too because then mm. when, when they have a bit of an off day, we, can, we know how to celebrate with them as well mm. in a way that lights them up. Mm. So when we celebrate, it's, I think it's important also to celebrate with those people that you trust and whose opinion you value uh, because then the feedback's going to be rewarding and useful mm. and meaningful. Mm. And then that takes us on to the rejuvenate and I think at every creative iteration we need to give ourselves a break yes otherwise we can't sustain it we can't just keep keep churning up expecting ourselves to to create new and interesting lessons every mm. day if we don't mm. go home when we're supposed to go home mm. uh, relax when we get home and have a good night's sleep so we're ready yeah. to do it again the next day 
And we do it again the next day with what we learnt the previous day. So we've got this existing body of knowledge to go with the three new things that we're going to attach to it. And Mm. we go through the process over and over again. And when we do that, just like practising anything, when we do that, we get better at it. Mm. Um, And the more conscious we are about that process, we can't help but create better. Exactly. Yeah. And can I ask a, just a little follow-up question there? In the create stage, so in, in the shoes of a teacher, maybe a teacher in the younger years who's come up with a wonderful lesson, really tried to engage the students and it does flop, um, if say it's a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, it's pretty hard to then walk back into the classroom and try it again because a teacher might be worried that the same thing's going to happen. So how, how, does, how do we even non-teachers, how do people stay positive when something doesn't go right that we've created from our own knowledge and our own creativity? If it doesn't go well, how do we sort of stay confident to have another crack at it the next day? I think um, the beauty of creativity is you surrender to the process. Mm. So you understand that you cannot control the outcome. I, uh, back in year 10, Uh, When I was at school, I had to choose my end of year exam, my end of, uh, sorry, my final year subjects, Mm. you know, for a year 11 and 12. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was called into the principal's office and I, she, she sat me down with my parents and said, Jane, are you sure you want to do maths, chemistry and French? because you're really good at art, home economics and history. And I looked at my parents and I looked back at her and I said, yeah, I really, I really want to do chemistry, maths and French. And for the next two years I spent, um, I spent watching my friends do these amazing projects, yeah. uh, fun projects, uh, when I was sort of practising my, my French verbs. Mm. And... I was reflecting on why I did that and I think it came back back to pride. I thought that I had to choose these subjects that because they were smart. Mm. You know, these are smart subjects, so and this is what smart people do, and smart people get good T scores. Mm. and uh, they go on to good universities and get good jobs and life's great. Mm. Mm -hmm. And what I was trying to do there was control the outcome. Mm. Instead of just really trusting in what I was really good at and what I loved doing and trusting that that was going to deliver something extraordinary for me, Mm. um, I went to university and did an accounting degree and three years after I finished that, the internet came about. Yeah. So, which all students would take it um, for granted now, but that was a new phenomenon in the mid-90s. Mm. If I had trusted what I was good at and what um, I loved doing, I would have been sitting really pretty to take advantage of the internet at that stage. Yes. Um, Because it just exploded the opportunities for Mm. creativity. Mm. Um, But I didn't because Mm. I was trying to, I I saw a path that I I thought I knew. I thought that's what my future was going to look like. Just like your 
um, the teachers that you're talking about, you think you know what is going to happen in your classroom, yeah, but you don't. Um, no. <laughs> no, there's, especially in the younger years, there's no telling what will happen. You, yeah, next minute. so you you mm. just trust the process mm. because we cannot control the outcome. No. And the better we get at the process, and I've seen this time and time again, the better we get at taking ourselves that process, we can't help but get, create more interesting lessons. Mm, yeah, and when we course. have more interesting lessons, the kids are going to be more interested mm. and, and they're going to understand um, because we've thought about it more, because we've thought about the purpose of what we're teaching, we've taught, we've, we're designed it in a way that those students are going to have autonomy mm. so they they can learn it in a way that works for them. Um, and we've taught it in a way that allows them to master it, mm. um, which are those three things that uh, all kids or anybody requires when they're learning something, mastery, mm. autonomy and purpose. Mm -hmm. mm. And I think... Um, if we just practice it over and over again and we don't get so caught up in delivering a, you know, a great lesson every time, yeah. um, we, will, we will get better. And the more you do it, mm. the, um, the quicker you will get better at it. Yeah, and, and I will, obviously I'll write all five of these stages in the show notes so people can have a look at them and, and think about how they can incorporate them into their own creative practice in the classroom but with the fourth pro with the fourth step of the celebrate step is there always something to celebrate even if yes. we think it's gone horribly i think so i think yeah i think you um good people learn Mm. Um, those that are that are curious about what went wrong, I I had this experience recently with uh, eighty year sevens, 80. and okay. eighty year sevens, so forty at a time. Mm. And I would deliver a class, deliver the content, uh, and it would fall flat. And mm. it was it was particularly difficult because I had that. Friday afternoon session. Okay. That oh. last class on Friday afternoon. Oh, that was nice of the school to <laughs> put it at that time for you. Um, and so what I did after the first class, I knew, well, actually I, I did this twice mm. and I just went, this is not working. So I rang, I, my three sources of information were a teacher whose opinion I valued and trusted. I rang her and said, what do I do? Mm. Um, a, another good friend of mine who's a, a creative, she teaches music mm. and the students love her. Mm -hmm. I rang her and I also uh, had a, a podcast that I'd listened to. And so with those th sort of three pieces of information, I, I took that and I completely changed the way I delivered the content. Yeah. So instead of me talking and delivering the content, I got them to do it. I got them to do their homework in the classroom. Mm. And the beauty of that was they could, they could see the outcome of the process there and then, mm. what yeah. I was trying to teach them. Yeah. And they knew they didn't have any homework because they'd done it. And so they had this sort of instant gratification that they'd completed, you know, they'd completed their work. 
Yeah. Um, I could have continued the next six weeks as, uh, as I had planned because mm. I had, as I, as I do, planned out my, mm. my six weeks of oh, lessons. Of course. Yep. I threw them out. I threw yeah. them out and started yeah. again. Yep. And, um, and the engagement and the noise in the classroom just lifted. It was, yeah. it was quite stark. And we recorded yeah. the lessons too. So we, we can see, I can see and learn from, from that process. Mm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And so, so once again, that five-step process will be in the show notes for people to look at. And Jane, you have a good reflection that people can read through to see where they're at in their creative phase. Can we talk about what that reflection on your website can help someone, how, how that can help people, particularly teachers? I've just created five scenarios uh, yep. that exist in each of those phases because, and when somebody reads through them, they'll probably go, oh, that's me. Yeah, I'm there, I'm there. Yeah. But there's probably one that resonates more so. I don't know. Have you had a chance to do it? Definitely. And the stage one definitely stuck out to me. The, the part about uh, that there's lots of options in front of me and there's something I need to do, but I keep putting it off. And for me as a teacher, when it comes to unit planning, that that is me all over. When mm-hmm. I need to plan a unit of work and the students need to learn this in this amount of time, I just cannot start. I think, where do I start? Because I've got the curriculum documents, I've got YouTube that I can watch some videos on and I, I just, I get lost. Uh, where yes. do I begin? So when I read that, that that jumped out at me straight yeah. away. Yeah, and and you're not alone, mm. and uh, and that's why I like limiting it. I'm I'm the same. I mm. and that's why I've been very disciplined about limiting it to three things because I think you can create something extraordinary just from three pieces of information, mm. and generally that's about as as much as the brain can handle. Mm. You know, before it it starts feeling overwhelmed. Um, so we created these five scenarios and just a little tip at the end to, ex- to explain where, what you can do to get unstuck mm. so you can continue to the next phase yeah. um, and just and be comfortable that chances are what you create first time uh, might not nail it. Mm. And give yourself some grace that you might have to go through this process over and over again. Mm. I think you mentioned the other day that, you know, as a first-year teacher, uh, you're, you're given this one idea that you have to teach from the curriculum mm. and you have to extrapolate that out into fi- a 50-minute lesson. And, gosh, where do you start with that? Yeah. But now that you're in, you know, four years down the track, mm. that process has become much easier for you it is um and you you know i think you use the example of australia's federation Mm. and uh, you know you've got them doing podcast interviews or creating posters or Mm. you know doing something different from just teaching the content and expecting them to memorize it Mm. um what this process does is potentially take that down to getting really good at it after a year Mm. Or even after, um, or even less than that, we take these girls through it in a five-day intensive. I do it that mm. once a year, and we see them creating better in five days. Mm. Mm. So, when when you 
when you're vigilant about stepping through each and sticking to each and giving yourself a time frame because nothing focuses our creativity more than a deadline yeah yeah of course um uh we yeah we we start to get better at it faster Mm. i hope you're enjoying this conversation with jane so far She'll be back in a moment with a practical example of how a student has benefited from this creativity process. But before then, we are going to hear a quick message from today's sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored by WillPro, and the team at WillPro make it their mission to help people just like you create a personalized and professional will all online for just $99. So you can create a will from the comfort of your own couch And for listeners of the Teacher's Guide podcast, WillPro have a very special offer for you. They are offering you 15% off. All you need to do is type in the code TEACHERPODCAST at the checkout and you can have your will done online for 15% off. So that code again is TEACHERPODCAST, all one word, and it is written down in today's show notes for you. So head over to willpro.com.au and start making your will today. Willpro, let your will be done. On your video, there's a, also on your website, there's a video of a young girl and I watched it a few days ago and she was talking about how this creative process helped her in a school assignment, particularly mm. to create something that aligned with her values. Can, can you share a bit of her story? And I'll put the link for the video in the in the show notes as well, but can you share how the creative process helped this high school student? Yeah, sure. Sarah, um, I interviewed Sarah a couple of years ago and mm. she was given an assignment. It was a team assignment, so there were three of them and they had to create a Christmas product mm. and sell it at a school fair. And the parameters of the, of the project were it had to have a Christmas theme it had to make a profit mm-hmm. and it had to fit into three of the UN development goals, sustainable yeah. development goals, and they could pick any of the 20 or so that, that there are. Mm. And so they started the process. They saturated. They had lots of our ideas that they were coming up with. And the initial ideas ticked the Christmas theme. That was pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were struggling with something that would make a profit mm. and certainly struggling it with anything that uh, ticked any of the development goals. Mm. So they kept on going through the process until they came up with something, um, they, they, particularly that percolate stage, mm. um, something that they knew they could make so that it was in line with their strengths mm-hmm. and aligned with the value, their personal values as well as the parameters that the project w- was set with him. So mm. the, um, the values that were assigned to the project. Mm. So they eventually came up with something uh, which was a Christmas cracker packed with three products that ticked all those boxes. And um, the fair came, they set up their stall and they were they were a bit nervous about whether it would sell. Yeah, I'm sure. And um, they didn't have to worry because they sold out in 40 minutes, and they made a profit of 91 dollars. Wow. 
55 or $92. Yeah, and that profit then went to a charity of choice, which also mm. aligned with the values of the project. So it ticked mm. the, the development goals. So in that create in that create phase, is that where she looked at her values and went, hang on, I don't want to sell, I don't want to sell this cheap junk that's been made unfairly. I've got to find some fair trade things. Yes. To sell. And yeah. And at that yeah. time they also sourced some products from uh, rural. I don't know uh, if you remember during the drought, there was a big push for supporting rural industries and mm. buying buying from from rural shops and mm -hmm. rural made and so yeah. they were able to do that yeah um yeah. and they yeah so they had a product product on the day that they were really proud to sell mm. so yeah. it was an easy sell for them mm. um and and then at the end of it they packed up their stall they went home had a great you know happy in their happy in their project yeah, and yeah. and were able to come back the the following week you know, yep. rejuvenated yep. it, um, knowing that they they created something worthwhile in this world. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's funny because some people might have gone into that project not realising it was a creative process. Some people might have just thought, okay, I've got to tick a box here, sell something, make some money, try and get a B or a C for this assignment. But <laughs> if, if Sarah, Sarah obviously approached it as a creative process and then the result was just fantastic yeah, yeah 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 so we can we can bring our natural strengths to this process mm. and create something extraordinary that adds value to the world yeah for sure for sure and so jane as we're finishing up in the interview today can you tell us a bit about the work that you do with young people and with adults and, and how so do you travel around to schools or travel around to workplaces and how, how do you teach this process to people <laughs> Most of it, I've been doing it online. Mm. And so I've had kids from Mexico to the UK, Australia participate in, in learning this process. Mm. Uh, more recently, I've been teaching it in schools. I've only um, just started doing that. And in, those, in doing that, um, some educators have been interested in actually learning the process. Yeah. Um, so not just teaching it to kids, but actually using it themselves to advance their own um, uh, their own careers. Mm. Mm. Uh, and consequently, de deliver more interesting lessons and more valuable lessons to the the students that are in their care. Yeah, of course. So um, that's principally how I've been doing it. It's, it's yeah. principally online and I yeah. only make it available online usually once a year. Okay. Mm. Great. All right. Well, I'll put all those links in the show notes. And Jane, thank you so much for sharing with us today on the podcast. I know that even after our chat last week, I, the, thinking about this creative process has helped me approach my lesson planning and it's helped me think about how I'll make my classroom a more interesting and creative place for my students and I'm sure it will do that for the people who've listened to the episode today. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. It's been great. And that brings us to the end of today's episode. Look, all of those links that we just spoke about are in today's show notes and I highly recommend you check out the link that Jane made especially for teachers and you can read through the creativity process and see where you fit into it and how it can benefit you and your teaching practice. 
I sincerely hope that today's episode helps you to become a more creative teacher in your learning environment. Wherever you are in your teaching journey, I wish you all the best. And please join us next week for episode number 16 of the Teacher's Guide podcast.